Last week, you're probably wondering about this, last week our scripture reading uh, for the sermon included verses 28 and 31, uh, 28 through 31 of Mark 10, but we didn't deal with those verses, and so I thought tonight we ought to, uh, we ought to do that. Um, they, uh, they deserve not to be missed. Um, these are verses that uh, bring the opportunity and even require um, some review. Uh, we have been making our way through the Gospel of Mark, uh, and by making our way, I mean you know taking up the study of God's Word and hearing its teaching and proclamation. Here is the advantage of uh, uh, instead of just choosing isolated passages uh, throughout. Uh, the Bible, uh, rather to preach through a particular book of the Bible, which is what we're doing here. We've been about this for some time now, and uh, and the advantage is that we we get to hear the the Gospel of Mark really as it was written. Um, I had a professor in in seminary who um, um, who encouraged uh, his students, myself at the time. Uh, to hear and study books of the Bible as a whole, uh, rather than uh, just pulling a, a certain passage uh, out of its context in a particular book, uh, instead to read the whole book, uh, if possible, even with, in, in one sitting and uh, in one reading, because that's really how the books of the Bible are written. We should think about that. They were written to be read. That probably sounds rather obvious, uh, that books of the Bible were, were written to be read. But, but the helpful point uh, is that there can be a, a terrific benefit to us uh, if we read a, a particular book beginning to end in a single reading, Gonna, it's going to cost you more than your your 15-minute per morning devotional time. Uh, find, a, find an hour, find two hours, and uh, read a book of the Bible beginning to end. And, uh, and I do think, in agreement with this professor, that uh, there is a, a great benefit in that. And, of course, we, we, we have busy lives. Um, uh, we may not be able to read through uh, an entire book. Depends on the book, of course, but we may not be able to read through an entire book in a single setting. Um, especially if you're like me, I'm not a, a really fast reader. Um, but otherwise, here here's a bit of Bible study wisdom uh, to try to consider a book as a whole, uh, and and not just to pull passages out to be considered all alone by themselves. So what we want to do this evening is to look at the text. And, uh, and let's recall that the, the context here is the conversation that Jesus had with this man who had come to him saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, we noted last time the, the inconsistency of the man's question, given that one does not do anything to gain an inheritance. Rather, we gain an inheritance by way of our birth, 
And our birth is not a matter of what we do or did, but completely a matter of what happened to us. So it is with the inheritance of eternal life. We must be born again. And as we are born again by the sovereign good pleasure of God, so we come to Christ in faith in order to receive an inheritance. And the greatest of inheritances to receive the inheritance of salvation and even eternal life. However, by not understanding all of this just yet, the disciples were more in line with the thinking of the man who had asked Jesus this question. And, and they recognized that uh, they recognized what Jesus was saying, namely, that no one can attain to eternal life by way of their obedience. And they asked Jesus, who can be saved? And Jesus answers, in essence, that no one can be saved except that God saves them. And so Peter comes around to clarifying something with Jesus. Uh, He has just heard uh, Jesus say to this man, Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. In hearing Jesus say that, Peter uh, heard Jesus talking about him and, uh, and, and his fellow disciples. He, he, he takes pains to point this out to Jesus, that he and the other disciples who were already following Jesus, that they had done exactly what Jesus was calling upon this man to do. In verse 28, Peter said to Jesus, We have left everything to follow you. Peter always was the impetuous one, we say. Uh, He was the one to speak his mind rather quickly. And in other times, we see Jesus sternly rebuking Peter. But that's certainly not the case This time around, this time, Jesus answered Peter rather straightforwardly, not so much uh, or or, or so straightforwardly, in in fact, that Peter might even have uh, been astonished to hear what his master said. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children, or fields for me, and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus is talking here Can you hear it? About the church. Jesus is speaking of the blessing of coming into the community of his disciples who live as the family of believers and and who come to enjoy the, 
the community of faith and the fellowship of God's people in Jesus Christ. So first, let's talk about the sacrifice of faith. You will recall that when Peter and his brother Andrew were first called by Jesus to be his disciples, they, they had left their nets at once to follow him. James and John, just a short ways down the shoreline, as it would seem, had done the same thing. We also hear about the calling of Matthew. He was a, a tax collector, probably very wealthy by way of his tax collecting. And, uh, and, and we hear how he left his life behind to follow Jesus. But Peter here would indicate that all of the disciples had done something similar had had a, a similar beginning in coming to follow Jesus as his disciple. There are not likely many of us, if any, who, uh, who faced such hardship in coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus calls us, Jesus calls us to be willing to make an extreme sacrifice in following him and at any time to make that extreme sacrifice for the sake of following him. So just because we didn't begin, this is my point, just because we didn't begin to follow Christ by way of such a sacrifice as many, if not all, of the twelve did, that doesn't mean that such a sacrifice might not be required of us one day. Are, are you ready for that? And, and while we ought to be thankful for what we have retained by way of family and, and friends and, and possessions, we need to be ready. We need to be ready to sacrifice it all in a day. Family, friends fortune. Are we ready for that? Should it come? Or have we somehow allowed ourselves to think that, well, God would never require that of me? Even more, we need to be ready to make sacrifices of a less extreme nature every day of our lives. Says classic argument from the greater to the lesser. Returning good for evil is a sacrifice that we are called to make. Uh, so when we're fuming mad and thinking that God couldn't possibly expect me to turn the other cheek in this case, we swallow hard and return good for evil. Another sacrifice that we are called to make is being very discerning about our entertainment. It's a point of application I, I guess, feel compelled to, to make. Um, this is the one that always gets me, that as much as we'd like to think that we're ready to lay down our life for Christ, we too often fail to turn off the television 
for the sake of doing the right thing? Uh, what kind of programs are we watching? Uh, do they do they show due respect for human life? Uh, do they promote godly sexuality, as we talked about this morning? Uh, does our entertainment promote or distract us from following Christ? And the same questions can be asked about the books that we read, uh, about the time that we spend on the computer, probably the computer more than the television these days, right? And uh, and what does it say about the conversations we have from, from day to day? What are we watching? What are we reading? What are we doing? What are we looking at? What are we talking about? And if we are called to take up our cross, an instrument of suffering and death, we are called to take up our cross in order to follow Christ. Do we think that God doesn't expect us to sacrifice entertainment for his sake? We have left everything to follow you, says Peter. Or we might shift the emphasis a bit. Peter was uh, saying this in response to what Jesus had called the man to do. So we might put the emphasis this way. We have left everything to follow you. So you could say, we have left everything to follow you, but it very well could have been Peter saying, we have left everything to follow you. You you call upon this man to leave everything to follow you. That's exactly what we have already done as we became your disciples. And while, and while Jesus doesn't rebuke Peter, uh, neither does he make the slightest apology for the sacrifice that they had made for him. What he does do is to promise them that the sacrifice of true faith will be met by the blessings of true faith. And that's the second point, the blessings of faith. Again, the first blessing of true faith is is the covenant community of Christ. The first blessing is uh, is that community by which we, we come to have as many mothers as there are mothers in the church. As many fathers as there are fathers in the church. As many brothers as there are men in the church. As many sisters as there are women in the church. As many children as there are children in the covenant community of God's people in Jesus Christ. Can we hear that in this text? And even beyond family, there is the matter of possessions. Jesus speaks of... uh, leaving both home and fields for his sake. And he follows up by speaking of the homes and the fields of the covenant community that that are a blessing to those who, who enter into the fellowship of God's people through faith in Jesus Christ. It's probably worth clarifying that we aren't talking about, we are not talking about joint ownership of all possessions within the church. Uh, In Acts 2.44, 
It says of the early church that the believers had everything in common. But we still don't see in Scripture that private ownership is forbidden. Instead, we look to the ministry of our deacons uh, to distribute blessings within the church as needed. And, uh, and we all have the responsibility to provide them, to provide our deacons with the help, the, the resources that they need in order to make sure that everybody in the church is provided for. This is the blessing of, of coming into the covenant community of God's people in Christ. This is not meant to be a, a country club or a political organization or an organization of any sort that simply meets on occasion for some part-time cause. This is meant to be, and this I'm referring to the church, the church is meant to be the matter of communal living. Again, not as if to forbid private ownership, but certainly to forbid that anyone should go hungry, that anyone should be homeless, or that anyone should be without the company and fellowship of family. And it certainly is to forbid that we should have... Uh, it, it certainly is... Not to forbid, I should say, that we um, fail to see that we have many mothers and, and that some of those mothers in the church are praying and some of those mothers are teaching and others of those mothers are encouraging and that all mothers, if you will, are doing so day by day, week by week, as we grow up and live within the covenant community. You can't hardly talk about the covenant community without uh, talking a bit about baptism as the sign of the covenant. Uh, but whether it's our children coming into the covenant community by way of baptism or, or someone later in life professing their faith and coming as a full member uh, into the covenant community, whoever is coming into the church, they have this consolation. They have this, this blessing that whatever loss they may experience by being a Christian, here in the fellowship of God's people, they have the blessing of the community the fellowship of the saints. But what happens when a believer does not have to leave his or her family in coming into the covenant community? We have entire families here. Uh, many of you have believing parents and grandparents even. How, how does family, I'm asking, how does family, family, as, as we understand that word, and that tradition, and that legitimate thing, how does family fit into the covenant community? So as a third point, I would have us talk about the place of family within the covenant community. We need to be careful here of, uh, of two opposite mistakes. 
One mistake is to assume that if we're all one big happy family, then that negates, does it not, the place of father and mother bringing up their children in faith. That's not just a mistake, that's a very serious mistake to think of canceling a mother's role or, uh, or, or, uh, or replacing a father in his responsibility to teach and to care for his children. As we work to deepen the fellowship of the church, we may be tempted to think that it's a bad thing that believers are as close as they are within their immediate families. Instead, let us understand that the family is the core of the covenant community. Without mother and father and children living together as God calls them to live, the covenant community cannot be what God intends the covenant community to be. So indeed, let parents mentor their own children. Let parents teach their own children first. And, uh, and alongside of whatever educational ministries are provided within the church. But the other opposite mistake is to assume that the place of mother and father bringing up children in the faith somehow negates the covenant community. We may have enough members of our immediate family to establish our own church, but that's not what God intends. God calls us to live out our faith together. So glad to see us here together tonight. God calls us to live out our faith together as a congregation of Jesus Christ. And living together surely involves working together, praying together, encouraging each other. Do you, do you look for that? I mean, do you look for who's discouraged? Who can I encourage? Discourage, encourage. That ought to be a, a thought matter for us uh, each Lord's Day. Where is there a need that I can meet? Who needs my attention? Who needs my help? Who needs my encouragement? So it involves encouraging each other. It involves getting to know each other. Do you do, you do that? Do you think about, you know, I, I don't know him very well. I don't know her very well. Maybe she's new. He's recently arrived, uh, or we just have never connected, you know, maybe I can get to know this person better on a Lord's Day or in the week in between. And all this uh, can be and should be as much emphasis as we put on the Lord's Day, the Lord's Day, the Lord's Day, this 
This is exactly what we need to do is to emphasize the Lord's Day. We're here because of the resurrection of Christ. But it doesn't mean that we're only here on the first day of the week. It means that we are together, certainly on the first day of the week, but we are together as a body. We are together as the fellowship of the saints. We are together as the community of believers in Jesus Christ. And we're not the only community. There are other churches around. And we're not trying to claim that this only is the body of Christ, but this is the body of Christ. As far as you should be concerned, as far as I am concerned, this is the body of Christ for us. And the call is to be part of that. The, part, the, the call is to be in, engaged in that and to be thoughtful about not just your own personal faith, but to be thoughtful about the faith that you share with everyone else within the church that you are a member of. Have you recognized the blessing? I'm, I'm laying it on you as far as responsibility, but have you recognized the blessing of the covenant community? Or are you keeping your distance? And it's, it's not an easy mark to hit. It, it's not an easy balance to maintain. But you are an individual. You are your own person. And you need to be saved by way of your own personal faith in Jesus Christ. Do you seek communion with Christ? Communion, that's a, maybe a fancy word for just having a relationship with Christ. If you have a friend, you, you talk to him or her. Uh, you call him. Uh, in our day, you, you text her, your friend. Uh, you miss that person when you're not with him or her. So you seek out that person, uh, your friend, the one that you love. So why not with Christ? Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but friends. And Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears and answers the door, I will come into him and, and eat with him. And yet, those who have this personal relationship with Christ, with Jesus, those with a one-to-one -one relationship with Jesus, are also called into a relationship with others who also have the same relationship with Jesus. And so may God increase our joy in belonging to the body of Christ. Let us pray that God will make his call clear, make his call powerful, and that we will be clear in our answer to live out our faith together.
as brothers and sisters, as mothers and fathers, as children of the covenant, the covenant community of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. A few words from you, O Lord, and yet a very important instruction for us to see that as many sacrifices as there may be in being a Christian, being a believer in Christ, being a disciple of Christ, yet there is this great blessing, this great benefit bestowed upon us that we become part of your church. And may we be that church that gives to all those who come the security, the blessing, the, the covering, the assurance that come what may, we stand together and we will take care of each other throughout all things. Grant us to be church that you described in this teaching, Lord Jesus. Grant us to be that church that provides for those who may suffer great loss in becoming a Christian, in becoming a disciple who follows you. Give us this perspective and none other and grant that we would um, be a blessing to each other and uh, that we would be uh, unified and loving and caring and providing for each other, uh, encouraging, forgiving, um, upholding one another within the church that is your body. We ask and pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.